naysayers and to all of those that would like to destroy the future of the greatest country in the world our message to them is the same as my grandfather's them that's going get on the wagon them that ain't get out of the way herman kane solutions for a better america this is your host herman kane thank you for joining us because you know we are going to tell you the truth and give you the facts because we want you to be better informed to help make this a better USA. Breaking news, breaking news every day with Herman Cain and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie Dupree. Hey, how Herman, you? how you doing today, buddy? Did you really create hashtag nerd alert? Yes, I did. You uh, did? You know me, I didn't create that <laughs> hashtag, but you know me, I love to go through this stuff. And when uh, the Republican leadership dropped this 146-page budget deal on us, Last night at midnight, I made sure I got up extra early today to sift through it. Thank you, Jamie. You know, this is a this is a classic political deal. Yeah, and it uh, it will aggravate both parties, which means probably <laughs> they've found the sweet spot to get it done. Yeah, uh, it, a lot of Republicans said, "Look, uh, the the budget constraints are too much on the military. The military is hurting; it needs more money." And so the the Democrats said, "Okay, you want more money for the military? Then you got to give the, uh, us more money for domestic programs." The Republicans said, "Well, we don't want to do that." And the, re- the Democrats said, "Well, you know, one or the other." So they each got a little of what they wanted. Uh, then there are some entitlement reforms in this that would help offset the cost of this extra spending, which you know, for a lot of years, Democrats refused to ever do because they said it should be taken out of other areas of the of the defense budget or other areas of the discretionary budget. So in a sense, that's a bit of a win for Republicans. I'm not going to try to uh, convince people that it's the greatest deal or anything like that. Uh, there will be a lot of opposition, and there is from interviews that I just did downstairs with a number of more conservative Republicans who don't like the fact that it's dumped on them at the last minute, etc. But uh, I think that just judging from the tone in the hallway, there will be a lot of uh, brick-throwing about it, as Speaker Boehner said a few minutes ago. But I would think right now there's a pretty good chance that this can get through as sort of the last act of Speaker Boehner. What's the uh, annual amount? Do you know? The annual amount in terms of increase would be it would uh, add $80 billion in spending over the next two years. So $40 billion would go to the Pentagon, $40 billion to domestic. So it's split evenly. Now, when you look at overall, I put this up on Twitter just a few minutes ago, at Jane Dupree, the the change, the addition of this money does not, in a sense, quote-unquote, end the sequester. This is just a two-year deal. Uh, it would, in fact, now, as I look at the discretionary numbers, and it's a good thing I've kept all this stuff in my, uh, in my files, the discretionary budget, which is everything outside of Social Security and Medicare, everything outside of entitlement programs, this is the budget that Congress deals with every year, this will mean that the discretionary budget has gone up a total of 2.6% in the last six years, which, when you think about it, isn't very much. So I know that there will be some that will say, you know, it shouldn't go up at all, or you've got to have uh, reforms here and there. But you know where we are right now in this divided government, not only in how divisive it is, but the fact that the, the Republicans control the Congress and the Democrats control the White House, it would get something done. Now, for a lot of people, it's not the right thing to get done. And as with anything, Herman, you can find an awful lot of reasons to vote against this. Yeah. Well, the best part that I heard is that it's an increase of only... 80 billion dollars over the next two years 
Now, like you said, in the big scheme of things, yeah, you're gonna have people gonna complain about that was an increase at all. But when you look at eighty billion dollars, they can find that much in waste, fraud, and abuse if they went looking for it. Look, I think there's a lot of Republicans that felt like this deal had to be made. They didn't want to make it because they didn't want that. What they would want to do is only increase defense spending. Yeah. But you know what? They don't have the votes to just increase defense spending. That's where the deal-making comes in. And I know for a lot of people, deal-making like this is unacceptable, totally unacceptable. Right. But a number of Republicans I spoke to today, you'd say, well, what about the defense? Oh, we need the defense money. The defense budget is stretched. The Pentagon is stretched. They need more money. Okay, well, that means you got to give some. Yeah, I know. I don't want to give this. I don't want to give um, uh, on what the president wants on domestic. But that's sort of the, you know, the outlines of this deal. This is much like a deal that was struck two years ago by Paul Ryan and Senator Patty Murray, a Democrat of Washington state, that also funneled a little more money in for defense and domestic and then made a, a bunch of entitlement reforms as well. So, you know, this is it's it may not be the best way to run a railroad, as Speaker Boehner just said a few minutes ago, but it is something. And his argument was it's better than just increasing the debt ceiling with no budget reforms, which right. was, you know, your other option. Now, this deal would suspend the debt ceiling, so it would allow it to go up until March of 2017. So that's early in the next administration. In a sense, what Boehner is trying to do here is clear away the fight over the debt limit, is clear away the fight over the top-line spending numbers for the budget for this year and for next year, and as he says, clear out the barn of a lot of uh, garbage and crap that, you know, he doesn't want Paul Ryan to have to deal with. And you, know, you can partially understand that. I think there's a lot of more conservative Republicans, and I just talked to a number of them downstairs, who want no part of this. But you know what? They don't have the votes. Right. And, uh, and it's the age-old thing. Yeah, you'd like to have the rank and file more involved, but you know that's why the leadership is there. The leadership sometimes takes these things behind closed doors and does it themselves. A lot of people frown on it, but it might be the only way to get it done. I read an article that the Freedom Caucus is begrudgingly going to go along with this. Is that right? No, nah, I don't know. I'm, I, and there may be a few that vote for it, but I would bet most of them vote against it. Okay. If, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, like I just talked to Matt Salmon down in the hallway, and he, he can't stand it. And then I said, well, is it going to pass? Oh, yeah, it's going to pass. <laughs> so I, I think that they know that most Democrats will vote for it, though I would bet there will be a few Democrats that will be against some of the reforms, for example, in the Social Security Disability Insurance Program. That is, has seen huge increases in recent years, as a lot of people think that what's going on is people are claiming fake disabilities in because they've lost their jobs in order to get some more money from Uncle Sam and stay afloat. Uh, this would tighten some of the rules around that program and find some other ways to uh, to cut down on Medicare payments to providers and more to squeeze Medicare a little more and find some savings. So I would bet there'll be some Democrats who won't like that. But I would think that there'll be enough Democrats and enough Republicans in the House to get this through. And I could see it getting a pretty substantial vote in the Senate as well. Again, there are more than enough things. If you go to my blog, you can find it at JamieDupree.com. You can read the whole section-by-section section analysis of the bill. You can find easily find... I would say five to ten things to say I don't like that and vote against it. Well, that doesn't, like you said, if both parties are unhappy but it passes, that means that they found the sweet spot. So, you know, my thought is, Herman, you, you push the ball down the field a little. Yeah. Um, you know, the one thing that I've always learned up here is that rarely can you get the big sort of gigantic package that you want to do. It only happens... Uh, a few times here and there. I mean, look at the Obama health law. It only happened because the Democrats had more than 60 votes. 
Uh, you know, the Great Society programs only happened because back then the Democrats had more than 67 votes. The New Deal happened because the Democrats had more than 75 votes at the time in the Senate. So these are rare occurrences when you can get big stuff done. What you really have to sort of do otherwise is just do little incremental stuff. As and I de- incremental is not very popular. As I described to some of the members of Congress that I know, look, if you put together some singles, the American people ought to be able to understand that, especially the conservatives and the Republicans. This sounds like another single rather than it being a total defeat and getting into some quagmire over who shut down the government. So. I know, like you said, you got your purists who want all or nothing. Home runs are hard to come by, is what you're saying, in the spirit of the World Series. Yeah, it really is. This is a ballpark here, unfortunately, that has, like, fences at the old polo grounds (laughs) that are over 500 feet away, I'd say. Rarely are you going to get a home run, folks, so take a chill pill. So we'll see. Um, uh, The House wants to vote on it as early as tomorrow. It's sort of to provide Speaker Boehner with a, um, you know, see you later, thank you kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, again, it will be controversial. That's the way this place is. And the vote for speaker, the new speaker will be on Thursday. That's Thursday still on the floor of the House is the plan right, right now. And, you know, I still expect there will be a few members who will vote against Paul Ryan. I just interviewed Tom Massey downstairs of Kentucky, who was uh, arguing that he thinks that Paul Ryan knew damn well what uh, Speaker Boehner was doing. And that, uh, you know, uh, he doesn't want to see uh, Ryan be elevated into that job, arguing that he's Boehner 2.0. And there will be some people who will vote against Ryan on Thursday, but I don't think enough to derail him becoming the next speaker. Look, I I don't see this is what's wrong with the Republicans. First of all, I don't think Paul Ryan is that sinister or deceptive to have known what was going on, play the charades of I don't want the job and all that kind of stuff. But you see, this is why Republicans keep shooting themselves in the foot with respect to some of this stuff. Well, now, don't. Is the process that the Republican caucus do a straw vote first before they put it on yes. the floor? They, okay. they, they will nominate uh, Ryan tomorrow on Wednesday in a closed-door meeting, and then they'll have the vote on the full uh, House floor on Thursday for Speaker. Got you covered. Well, some people are jumping up and down that Trump is no longer in the lead and Ben Carson is. What's your take on the poll numbers? As I always say, Herman, don't worry about the numbers. Worry about the trends. Yes. What we saw late last week were two polls that showed Carson surging into the lead in Iowa. And then yesterday we got two more. And in fact, they showed Carson up in Iowa by 12 and 14 points, which is pretty sizable. Uh, Trump is still in second and far ahead of the rest of the field. But then we got this new New York Times CBS poll today, national poll, that for the first time showed Carson ahead of Trump. I think I read today where this is the first or second, I think the second poll in the last 83 national polls that has not had Trump in the lead. So it hasn't happened very often. So I'm not here to declare that Trump is going off the cliff and it's over for him or anything like that. But I don't think that we should downplay what these polls indicate because you know that if you can win or even be ahead in Iowa, that provides you momentum in other states and on a national level as well. True. And it may be that there is a cycle going on here where Carson will bubble up and Trump could retrench a little. Does it mean that Trump is done? Again, I don't think so. But I don't think that, uh, I, that to me, Trump hates being in second. Think of how often he has complained about any polls that have shown his lead waning. Well, now he's got to deal with polling numbers that show him behind. Tomorrow night's debate, 
I, I don't I think it's possible maybe Trump will engage Carson a little more and try to put the hammer down on him and confront him a little more in this debate. They so far have sort of avoided each other right. in the first two debates. Yes, they have. So it'll be interesting to see what type of dynamics take place on uh, Wednesday night. And I understand that you headed out there, right? Yep, going to head out there later today. It's going to be another one of those debates with the, the pre-debate forum with the four people who are down at the bottom of the polls. And then the main debate will be two hours long, including commercial breaks, uh, with the 10 top candidates. So the only one that's not there from the last debate at the Reagan Library, of course, is Scott Walker, who dropped out of the race. Got it. But the first one is only going to be an hour long. Yes, you're exactly right. The pre-debate, just an hour, and then the big debate, two hours in length, and it'll be televised by CNBC. We'll be looking for your reaction. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow, Herman. Thanks a lot.